Welcome to Zero to CEO, where seasoned entrepreneurs will teach you how to succeed. I'm your host, Jason Sherman. In today's episode of Zero to CEO, I speak to Chief Executive Officer and Founder at Self Storage Syndicated Equities, Fernando Angelucci. Welcome to the show. Thanks for having me, Jason. That was quite a handful. Uh, so uh, let's talk a little bit about something that I'm actually curious about before we get into the topic, which is unlocking wealth with self-storage investments. I have dabbled in real estate, right? And a lot of people always say to me, how do I get into real estate? Like, what's the first step to get into real estate? And so I saw you mention something about credit cards. And I'm like, to me, that's like a no-no. So I want to know, what was your approach to using credit cards to raise money for real estate investing. Yeah, I'm going to tell you the story with the preface that I don't recommend anybody do what I did. But at the time, I the only way I knew how to raise money was using credit cards. So I quit my engineering job. And then in one night, I applied for, I think, 64 credit cards in a period of like an hour and a half. So none of the other cards would Whoa. see the, the polls from all those cards. And then... About a week and a half later, I got 12 approved and I cash advanced $97,000 off of those cards. And that's how I started my business. Holy moly. And thank God it worked out because that's a lot of debt to take on and interest and all that kind of stuff. Right. But I mean, you ended up uh, starting a multi-million dollar real estate per- portfolio. So that's pretty cool. Now, um, what's the difference between, because like, I mean, this is self-storage syndicated equities is the name of your company. So I'm assuming your real estate has to do with self-storage versus real estate in the more traditional sense. What's the difference? Maybe it's obvious. Maybe it's not. Yeah. So I, you know, I, I did the regular habitation-based real estate like everybody else, the rental homes, the apartment buildings. And the thing that I didn't like was the fact that someone could stay in one of my units. I have to go through this eviction process. They live there for free for eight months before a judge will let me, you know, mm show the the case and then when that tenant left they did like twenty five thousand dollars worth of damage right and i said you know this is not a way i don't want anybody living in my investments and having this much power over me right and then i saw this really you know concerning trend of the government starting to interject itself into private investors lives saying hey tenants right. don't have to pay rent etc so i decided the, the, to sell the, the pandemic really exacerbated that Right. So I decided to sell off all my habitation-based real estate and I went into self-storage because it's lien law or property law as opposed to tenant-landlord law, which means Interesting. if somebody puts their stuff into my unit, I get, based on state law, I get a de facto lien against their possessions. If they don't pay within the five-day grace period, I overlock their unit. They have no access to it. And if they still don't pay off the uh, you know the late fee plus the back due rent within 30 to 45 days, I auction off their 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 possessions and then i have a new t- paying customer in that in that, that i mean unit. even if you haven't seen it um there's like the shows called storage wars right so like you're, you're essentially a real life storage war kind of guy where you get to auction off people's stuff have you ever found anything exciting or interesting antiques or anything valuable in any of these things yeah i mean so it's it's not like the show you know obviously that show is very staged nowadays everything's done over the internet so um you know i'm not the manager at these facilities i'm the owner i'm the builder 
And typically how these auctions are done are more eBay style now. So a manager mm-hmm. will open the unit. They'll take a photo without breaking the barrier. They'll post it on these storage auction sites. Someone will bid online and then they have 48 hours to 72 hours to come pick up the possessions and leave the unit broom swept. So I, I have Crazy. no idea. <laughs> so two, two, two questions on that. Like if you even know, um, what kind of uh, price do you get for a typical unit? And um, how often does this happen to somebody who's investing in this type of property? Yeah, so it, it depends on the size of the unit and what type of possessions are in there, right? Obviously, if in the photo you see gold bars, people are going to bid accordingly. It, usually, it's just a bunch of boxes of crap, you know? <laughs> um, so I don't really know what the average amount is. Typically, though, we're able to recover our our lost rents, if you nice. will. Um, and then as far as how often this occurs, for us, it, it occurs pretty often when we buy and take really? over. Uh, just when we we buy value add properties right so we're typically buying these mom and pop facilities where they just let everything kind of slip and there's Uh, a bunch of non-paying tenants stuff like that so when we take over it's a lot of legal stuff you have to do at first right right the very first thing we do is we send a letter to everybody saying we're the new owners if they have a back due balance they can pay now or we're going to proceed with auctions in every one of their units but then once we've stabilized that asset it's very rare that we go to auction on any of our our units Mm-hmm. It sounds like it's been it was the right move. I mean, how do you even get started? Like, I don't, yeah. I wouldn't, I didn't even know you could do that. I thought those were corporations like save, you know, storage a lot and all those store, you yeah. know, you you save storage. I, I drive by the big orange buildings all the time. I thought like companies owned those. I didn't know like an individual could do that. Yeah, so you know, we went from zero to two hundred twenty million in self storage in five, just under five years, and it Jesus. all started with just our first facility, right? So before I, like any asset class, when I enter a new asset class, I want to test the waters before putting up a lot of risk. So I do what's called wholesaling, where I'll put a property under contract. I'll assign that contract to another investor that knows what they're doing. If they're willing to pay me more than what I have it under contract for, that means I must be underwriting these things correctly, right? So we did a few of those to save up some down payment money. And then we bought our first facility just outside of uh, the Chicago suburbs. It was $970,000. Wow. Um, we bought it at a 7% cap rate and then we sold it three years later for $1.8 million. So you're, you're essentially flipping these units. You're not keeping them or are you doing both? I have never kept a facility more than four and a half years. How do you buy one for that and then double it? How do you, how's that even possible? I mean, we've tripled them sometimes or even more. So but how, how is that possible? Like, how are you able to get it for so cheap and then be able to sell it for so much? Yeah. So commercial real estate is is valued based off of the income that it produces. So I bought it based on its current income at a 7% cap rate and then immediately came in and I raised rents. I dropped expenses. I added additional units and then I sold it for the, I, I think we still sold it at, we did get a, a little bit of a reduction in the cap rate. So we sold it down, I think at a 6% cap rate. So we had a hundred basis point spread, but then we also increased the revenue by almost 35% or the NOI by 35%. So both wow. those combined allowed us to double our, our investment. Sometimes we, we triple our money depending on how defunct <laughs> the facility is when we first buy them. I mean, it we sounds have a like perfect it, it example. Like, yeah. We have a perfect so, I mean, example. It just one sounds so technical. <laughs> yeah, it's, it's really not that technical. So here's a, for example, I, I bought one in Indiana and I realized that compared to the rest of the competitor facilities, the rents were 65% below the market. Oh, wow. So I came in and just in one day, I just raised all the rents 60%. Oh, my and, God. 
there's a doubling or tripling of my, of my value right there. And the people that are renting the facilities, they don't care or some of them leave. How does, how does that work? I mean, they can leave, but I'm still the cheapest in the market. So we're, oh, we're, right. they're going to out of spite, they're going to cancel their, their agreement and go pay more somewhere else. Usually right. Not. So you're still paying. Okay. So they're still paying less, but they're paying more from what they were paying. Got it. Yeah. That's a, that's a really smart tactic. I mean, how did you get into this whole line of work coming from Dow Chemical as an engineer? Yeah, when I was 16, I read Rich Dad, Poor Dad. And I mm. knew from that point on, I wanted to be a business owner and a real estate investor. Um, I still you know, wanted to make sure I had a good fallback. So I went and got my engineering degree. But I think it only lasted about 13 months in the nine to five life. And then I immediately started running oh, wow. my own company. Yeah. Getting those credit cards. <laughs> Yep. <laughs> which right. I, which I also do not recommend to anybody. Uh, right. what are some of the most common misconceptions about self storage investments? Cause like for someone like me, I would have thought that that was something that I wouldn't want to go into because of the pitfalls or the, you know, the issues. So let's say someone's watching this or they're listening to this mm-hmm. and they want to get involved. Mm-hmm. They, they want to enter this market. What yeah. is some of the advice you'd give them? Yeah, get get educated. So there's a bunch of great resources all over the internet for free. You can also go to the industry trade shows. Uh, Inside Self Storage, Self Storage National Association, they have these really great education tracks, super cheap. I think for the entire weekend, it's 450 or 500 bucks, and they really catch you up to speed. And then from there, just start partnering on deals. So the first couple of deals I did, I brought in someone that was a little bit more sophisticated than me, had more transactions under their belt. And I just said, hey, I'm bringing you in. I'm cutting you in on the equity because I want to make sure that you're there to make sure I'm not making any mistakes. I want to learn from what you've learned. Um, and then from there, I just, you know, went to the races. So we, you know, buy and sell existing facilities. We also build brand new three-story, mm-hmm. four-story Class A facilities as well. We do adaptive reuse conversions where we buy Sears buildings and Kmart's that went out of business and then turn them into self-storage. Reusing buildings. That's a smart one right there. I mean, this, this is, this is getting crazy, man. I mean, how did you do this and get up to 250 million in your portfolio in four years? I mean, it just doesn't seem human. Like, how did you pull that off? I mean, the stuff you're telling me is not small potatoes. These are big, big, big things you're doing. I mean, re, reusing Sears and Kmart's. I mean, I, you know, I did a documentary about historical buildings and how we should be reusing them. I know how hard it is to do that in general and how long it takes and how much money it takes. You put a lot on the line. I mean, do you have a team? I mean, who's helping you? How did yeah, you get so this done, man? That was Jeez. one of the biggest things about this business. This is maybe my fourth business that I've started. So I love the book Traction by Gina Wickman. It teaches people how to run their business like a real business. You have an operating system for your business, and that includes putting the right people in the right seats. And then the other piece of that is making sure that you have goals that are smart, right? Specific, measurable, achievable, reasonable, and timely. Um, so we set up the the business with a 10-year goal of exiting for a billion dollars. That is the goal. Wow. Um, and how... We, typically this works in, in businesses, things don't grow linearly, they grow exponentially. So the first year, I only did a million. And then the second year, it was 8 million. And then right. the third year, it was close to 40 million, right? Jesus. And it keeps kind of going up. And <laughs> Hockey I think, stick. Yeah. And I think one of the, the reasons for that is we realize that in real estate businesses, you need to use leverage and use leverage carefully. And not only leverage from a bank, like getting a loan, but also equity. And that right. means that we have to start a capital raising company where 
the f- whole focus is to raise capital from accredited investors that want the opportunity to double their money in five years or less, right? And that's how we're able to grow is when you have mm. capital at your disposal, you can you can execute on deals very quickly while others are still trying to figure out where, figure out where get to get the money, money from. Yeah, right, and I've already closed gotcha. on the property by the time they figured out where their money's coming. And you know, and that's no small feat either. I mean, you're making it sound easy, but raising capital is a full-time job all by itself. Um, right. I've been there, done that. I mean, it's there's there's term sheets and there's legal documentation, there's legal paperwork, there's probably lawyers involved, and there's a lot of money being transacted and they have to trust you. Um, you know, who's this guy, Fernando? Do I trust him? Right. You know, I'm giving him $20 million or whatever it is. So like, I mean, how did you, how did you break that kind of barrier? So what I found is the easiest way to raise capital is to educate the people that you're raising capital from. So we went on this about four years ago, started this marketing campaign where we went on every podcast we knew that credit investors were listening to. We spoke at industry conferences. We got published on, you know, ABC and, you know, Forbes and writing articles for the industry trade shows. We spoke, you know, at the front of the room at some of the biggest conferences in the world. So that brings credibility, right? But then along with that comes track record. So, you start raising money from, you know, first you use your own money until that's tapped out. Then you raise money from like your family Uh-oh. and then your friends and Uh-oh. then your friends of your friends and friends of your family. And oh, eventually man. you get enough track record of using, you know, people that actually know you. They don't really care about the asset. They just trust you. You. And then yeah. eventually you break into the other side of the world, which is that quasi institutional institutional grade where they don't care who you are. All they care right. about is show me the track record. Show me the deal underwriting and analysis and show me that you know what you're doing. Right. And, and how am I going to get my money back? Exactly. With interest. <laughs> yeah, usually so, 100% interest. <laughs> so, right. It sounds like, yeah. And, and, and there's a lot of Bernie Madoffs out there, but it sounds like, you know, you guys are being like the shining star through the dark cloud. So that's really interesting to me because there's probably people listening to this right now saying, man, I really want to do what Fernando's doing. You know, you know, he wants to exit at a billion dollars and he's already doing it. And I want to do this too. So what are the key pieces of advice you can leave our audience to potentially do something similar? Yeah. Number one is real estate is a team sport. You can't do this alone. So I have teams for everything, legal teams for contracts, writing up my PPMs and syndication documentation, making sure our investors are, are um, protected. My construction team, they run a whole unit themselves. My value add and operations team, management company, they do everything. So, I mean, I'm probably touching at least 50 to 60 individuals with my organization to make this thing all run. Wow. That's a lot. So really it's putting together the right teams, being able to prove your traction and that what you're doing is working and you're able to continue to grow the company and and then also you, you need to be able to to manage all of it because it's just it's, right. it sounds like so many moving parts. Well, where can people find out more about what you guys do and your website or your socials? Yeah, I'll give you two ways. Uh, you know, there's a passive way and an active way. So the passive way, you can go to our website, SSSE.com. You can check us out on social media, you know, SSSE or self-storage syndicated equities. If you want to follow me personally. I put out a bunch of free educational content on how to get started in this business. There's never any sales pitches. I'm at the storage stud is all my social media handles. (laughs) And then if you want just a more active way, if you're more of an action taker, I'll just give you my cell phone number. It's area code 630-408-8090. It's my real number. Text or call me anytime. 
Perfect. Thanks. SSSE.com for more information. Thanks, Fernando. Hope you guys learned something and we'll see you guys in the next one. Hope you enjoyed the episode. If you learned something today, please support this podcast by subscribing to it, sharing it with your friends and leaving a five-star review. You can learn more about me at jasonsherman.org where you'll find information about my book, also called Strap on Your Boots, available on Amazon, as well as my course called Startup Essentials on Udemy or Skillshare. I'll see you at next week's episode.